Hi, welcome to Sweetman Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Simon Sweetman, and this is brought to you, as always, by Yeasty Boys and Tea Leaf Tea. Uh, this is episode 253, where I had a conversation with Margot Pirard. She is a Hawke's Bay-based uh, singer, musician, and she is part of a... Um, the Pirard family is full of talented performers. Uh, I know some of them. She's got f- there's four girls, one boy. Uh, there's so they play between them all, um, just about every instrument going, and sing jazz, and sing opera, and act, and play drums, and play in metal bands and rock bands, and, and every genre is covered. And so. Uh, I wanted to talk to her a little bit about this 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 family and and how they grew up doing all of this stuff. Um, but I saw Margot play last year at a house gig in Hawke's Bay and uh, with with a talented keyboard player called Will Sargeson that she um, performs with. Uh, and I was just blown away by her. I mean, I'd seen her sing before, but I was just blown away on that evening by her ability to communicate a song. Uh, it helps that she's so into. Billie Holiday and Sarah Vaughan and Ella Fitzgerald and a lot of the singers I love um, but just there's something special about the way this person makes music that has been made already by other people but she sells the story of it, she sells the whole story of it and um, I wanted to talk to her about that, I wanted to talk to her about who she was and what drives her to do this and uh, you know she's been in a band that you might have heard of called uh, Tropical Downbeat Orchestra, she's played with a bunch of people, she's been doing some work with Fane Floors in Hawke's Bay who's a previous podcast um, guest, she's out there performing, uh, there are lots of shows, she's been involved in lots of different things and so we had a chat about all of that and um, I love this conversation and I hope you do too and I want you to check out some of her music, this is me talking with Margot Pirard. You said you were really nervous about having this conversation, yeah. but I'm really glad that you that you agreed to it because we we've only met one other time. Yeah, and we sort of we sort of shared the stage. Well, we, we shared the bill. <laughs> <laughs> we sort of shared the bill. I yeah. I infiltrated. I was asked to to sit in and do a little poetry interlude when you were performing last year, and that's when we met. Yeah. But I knew. I mean, I've I've seen you sing before, and I've heard you. I would have seen you in Wellington. Yeah, and I've heard you. And you're, you're, you're part of a musical family. I am, yeah. Yeah, I thought we could start with that. Can okay. you sort of unpack that a bit for me? Because you've got, because I know one of your sisters a little bit. But you've got Which this... one do you know the little bit? Well, um, Anna. Anna. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so there's, there are five of us yeah. in total. I mean, I, I know some of the other names, but yeah. I'm not sure if I've met any of them. But, yeah. So, yeah, tell me about it. Uh, well, um... Well, I suppose it's like a, if you have a family that's really into sports and everyone mm. just ends up automatically yeah, being in a sports yeah. team, that's what music's been like in our family. Yeah. So my father is one of nine children, and most of those children are professional musicians, I think. Yeah. Playing in orchestras and opera singers and all yeah. sorts of things. Predominantly classical. Yeah. Well, actually, main, mainly classical. Yeah. Um... And then mum is a music teacher, and when we were kids, dad had a couple of guitar students, and oh no, clarinet students, dad played clarinet, mm. and mum had piano students that would come to the house, and we just had to, we had to learn an instrument, mm. it wasn't... That was just the... It wasn't something that we yeah. could choose not to do, which I'm, I will always be eternally grateful for. Yeah, I was going to say, you're, <laughs> you're making that sound ridiculously forced, but it, well, it, it wasn't quite like that, I mean it was, yeah. but it was a good thing, yeah. Well, I think it had it had to be it had to be like that because there were five of us, five kids, in a small house, and that's a lot of practice time 
It's mm. a lot of noise. Mm. It's a lot of um, supervision. Mm. Yeah, yeah. So Janie learned the cello. There's Jane. Jane's the eldest. Yeah. Uh, and she lives in Wellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen her play too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. In a yeah. variety of contexts. Yeah, she's, yeah. she's also pretty versatile. She's yeah. a great actress, Jane. Yeah. Um, and then Anna. Yeah. And then myself. And then there's Madeline, who was over with the Royal Opera in the UK. Mm. She's been in lockdown for a long time. Mm. But, um, yeah, she's a soprano over there. And then... M- my brother Tom is a, a drummer. Yeah, yeah. Who's, who's, again, who I've met briefly, and we've but we've talked online quite a bit. Oh, and yes. So um, we, you know, and I, I'm a, a real fan of his playing, and yeah. also we've. I mean, he does teaching too, doesn't he? And he stuff. does. So yeah. we've we've interacted a bit around that. Yeah. He's yeah. Really passionate about higher education. Yeah. Music yeah. And I think also diversity. Diversity. When I get together with my siblings. Uh, we all have um, different ways of expressing yeah. our musicality, and mm. that introduction musically has allowed us that freedom. Yeah, so is there the family band jam session, or do you all pull in such no. different directions? We pull in different directions, yeah. and uh, but when we were kids, we because we all yeah. learned string instruments, I yeah. learned the violin, and yeah. I learned the viola, Janie learned the cello, yeah. Maddie learned the piano, and Tom learned the cello. That's what we all started on. Yeah. Um, and so sometimes we'd get together and play quartets all together. But now I think that um, it would it would have to be a very unique situation. I think for us to do a family. Yeah, yeah. A family orientated show. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. And so you were just quite literally born into it. So yeah. you're, you're practicing music. Straight away. Well, I was Almost. I played violin and I loved it, but yeah. I was also t- always terrible at re- practicing. Yeah. And the violin is a very difficult instrument to. Yeah. Well, I think it's the string instruments, but the violin specifically is yes, a hard instrument to have that right next to your ear. Yeah, yeah. When you're learning, yeah. it's not. Pleasant. Yeah, because it's not. It's not great. It's uh, not. I mean, no. it's true of um, saxophone and clarinet and stuff as well, but yeah. particularly with the violin, I think. Right there, yeah. it's right there by your ear. Yeah. But um. Dad was uh, working for the Daily Telegraph when we were mm. kids, and he would get CDs and books, and he'd be reviewing shows. He's always reviewing mm. stuff, mm. and he, Mum also sang all the time. Mum's a um, a phenomenal actress. Mum, mm. really, I have such a huge amount of respect for her skill, and um, so we were. She was always singing with us, and I. Dad reviewed an album. I can't remember how old I was. I might have been at about eight or eight or nine, mm. and it was a compilation of Ella Fitzgerald, Billie Holiday, oh, yeah. Mahalia Jackson, yeah. Sarah Vaughan, the four queens of jazz, and Aretha or Franklin. Or it was yeah, 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 yeah. And there were about three songs yeah. of each of yeah. those women. I know, I know the cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, know it. I yeah. can see it in my mind. Yeah. But um, as I worked in record stores, so oh, you know, I, I that's one. Yeah. As soon as you started talking about that, I was like, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. some good songs. Yeah. Um, and I became a primer. Yeah, I was just obsessed. Yeah. For some reason, I became completely and utterly obsessed with jazz. It was really bizarre when I see my eight-year-old son. That I mean, I used to do performances in front of the dining room window to vocal leads, and mm. was I was obsessed. Mm. Yeah. That's amazing. And so, what do you want to? I mean. I was going to say, what do you want to go and do in life and with that? But basically, you're being conditioned to music before you realise 
this is something yeah. we're actually going to go and do you're actually doing it but when I guess I'm getting towards like next steps and what other things were you interested in as a kid was there room for anything else I don't know I think I I was I was the middle of five kids yeah and I didn't really think about I mean I was a bit of a I don't, I don't know, I didn't think about much. I don't think when I was a kid, I just sort of was a bit of a dreamer. Yeah. I think, and I started doing gigs when I was about 14. And then I auditioned for jazz school when I was 15. School wasn't really a, I'm a practical learner. Mm. What is that? I'm not presenting myself very well in that respect, but. No, you are. No, you, no, you absolutely are. I loved it. I yeah. felt a real connection with it. I, mm. I sang it all the time. I seemed to be able to learn it really quickly, learn lyrics and mm. ha- and have that freedom. And it seems bizarre to me that I... So I, le- I got into jazz school and then I left when I was 16 and started doing that, left school. And went to yeah. Wellington? Went to Christchurch. That was the first um, year that there was a vocal... Okay. There was no vocal jazz course in any of the schools. Yeah, right. And okay. that was the first year that there was one there. Yeah. And what was that experience was like? Was it frightening? Young. And yeah, yeah. When you get there, as excited yeah. as you are to do it, yeah. was it overwhelming being young or no? Well, just... I think weirdly, I'd find it overwhelming now, but it mm. wasn't. I was just sort of gung ho, and I think I, I, I have had a very privileged upbringing. Well, there's a a, co- a collective confidence, I imagine, around the overall musical abilities and passion of the family members that's going to carry you some way perhaps perhaps that's you know you, have, you, know, you can be out it yeah. like you can be the least talented of a bunch and, yeah. and find that out and be the first or last to know that but yeah. <laughs> but there is a there's got to be a kind of i mean i grew up in a if it's just a part of your life, I suppose it's a natural... I grew up in, not not a sports-obsessed family, but sport was more our thing than music. Yeah. And, and yet there was only two of us, there and two kids. But sport was the thing. And you just, I just know you saw those families, and I don't know that we were one of them, because we weren't enough of us, but you saw those families who, they were the sports family yeah. with three or four kids, and maybe only one or two of the kids were really, really good, yeah. but the other two who were okay and grafters, they were carried along a bit by that family confidence that yeah. this is our brand, this is what yeah. we do, so yeah, I can see that with music I too. I definitely think that I, I benefit from that. Yeah. I, my, I, I do have overachieving siblings in that regard yeah yeah um and I do I do benefit from that I know I know that I do but I but I also think that I've I have a different way of doing things and I have a different um but let me just cut in because we've talked a little we've talked a tiny bit online and we we talked that night that I saw you play and you're one of the most natural singers I've seen and you're an amazing song communicator you know, you actually, the thing that you do is tell the story of the song as well as the story within the song, you know. That's, that was, when I read what you wrote, I felt like it was really emotional to read what you wrote about me because it felt like you really saw what was happening to me while I was singing. Right, yeah. And a big part of me feels like I'm not, I struggle to call myself a musician, I feel like I'm a really good communicator and that's what I'm doing and it's mm. really important to me to when I'm singing the song in that moment this is what's happening for me yeah yeah so storytelling but communicating but things like 
phone apps and the background use of music have reduced its role. Music is communication and music mm. needs to be communicated, you know, when yes, whether it's in the church or mm. whether it was how tribes summoned their people or yeah. sent out, you know, the whole development of music is around it as a form of communication. Yeah. And then, you know, our kids' generation think music is something you download quickly on a phone yeah. and if it, if it doesn't suit your mood, you change it to something else, which I'm not knocking that, but part of what's happened with that, it has mm. reduced that aspect of it as a both a tool of communication and a, yes. and a form. Yes, that's, that's really unfortunate. Um, I've always struggled with performance anxiety. I always have, and I've always been interested in that. What, what and, is it with devices that I've needed? I mean, the number of people I've talked to who are like, yeah, so I'm a stand-up comedian. I'm terrified of doing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, I've never been particularly confident, and yet this is what I do. Or yeah. singers or musicians who are like, oh, no, I hate being on the stage. Mm. I'm worried about it. But So what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm a singer. You know, yeah. whatever. It's crazy. What is it about that? Well... I think that that comes into the whole app thing and, and not really, sort of the beginning of that, which is um, uh, the necessity to look good while you do it, mm. to be beautiful, to be wearing the right things, to make money. Um, I, the one time, and actually it was such an incredible experience, the one time I never experienced that was when I sang at a funeral. And it was a, um, it was the most beautiful experience and I was mm. really, it was the first time that I felt like I had something real to offer mm. people and I was singing Blackbird, um, a cappella at the end of the, the service. The Beatles song, Blackbird. Um, yeah. Yeah. And while I was singing the song, I was looking at the family who had lost someone mm really precious and it felt like a physical like I was doing something physical to help them you were giving them in a, that moment you were giving them a hug they could hear yeah well mm. the way that it felt was like with my voice I was providing a scaffold to yeah. really hold them yeah. in that moment and that really inspired me to start doing a bit of research on what is happening to our physiology and why is it that I seem to be able to do this thing and communicate with people in this arena, but I'm so clearly not an entertainer. That's just yeah, I'm yeah. just not a natural entertainer. I'm incredibly uncomfortable. Yeah. There, but the second I start singing, I'm completely comfortable. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I started to read about the um, polyvagal theory and our nervous systems and how we're communicating when we're using our voices, and um, it's an incredible amount of information. Mm. And it's hugely important and really fascinating to me. I mean, I saw you and Will Sargison do that house concert and last year, and it was fascinating how, I mean, first of all, you guys were a great double act, and I know you've done a bunch of shows since and and so forth, and, and, and it's a great little duo because he's, he's a great musical talent. Um, but you were actually talking about how awkward you were at banter that was your banter yeah. you yeah. were basically saying and you would cut yourself off and say all right just shut up and sing <laughs> yeah. and i found that really entertaining oh, like and <laughs> not in any sort of chardon fraud sort of situation i just found that genuine because it, it was very real but also you would cut yourself off and sing and it was the most extraordinary dichotomy it was oh these um, are this is two different people this is two um, different 
or two different aspects of a person was happening. Yeah. You know, but I found the banter really rewarding because it was real. Uh, you know. Well, I decided, I suppose, that I just need to. I'm never going to be good at acting. Um, and pretending to be someone that I'm not anyway in general as a person all through my life that's just the sort of person that I am and I feel as though uh, when I've seen other people uh, on stage and they speak I feel uh, when people aren't acting and they are themselves it's quite a privilege and it gives you more knowledge of them as a person and enables you to connect more personally with them Yeah. and I just I'm bad at it and <laughs> If people know that, then they're less likely so, to judge me for I it. Mean, is, is the family collective confidence I talked about, has that also been a bit of a hindrance? Because you're the first to say, well, my mum's an amazing actor. I've got a sister who's an actor. She's also a musician. Yeah. You, you've got sisters that sing opera. Singing opera is acting. Yeah, it is phenomenal. one of the most performative yeah. versions of singing there can be. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it seems like you're hiding a little bit inside this cloud of, they do that and I could never do that, so I'm just me doing... Well, I, I couldn't do that, but I embrace the fact that what I can do is improvise. Mm. And if I'm acting, I can't do that. So um, last night I did a gig and uh, with a guy, Professor, Dyn uh, Professor Dynamite, Willie mm. D, and he's playing NPC and beats and samples and I'm improvising the whole time. Words as well. Mm. And if I'm in any way uncomfortable or feel like I have to be presenting something that's not real and can't completely just lose myself, I'm not going to be able to do that. So mm. I have the hugest admiration for what my family can do, each of them in their own different ways, but I'm also aware that not everybody can do what I can do. So I'm, I'm, a, I'm different. Mm, I'm mm. just different. But I, talk, <laughs> I, mean, I talked to Anna at that show, and she oh, said, because yeah. um, we've... we've We'd talked a little bit online and stuff, but then she said to me, she came over and talked to me after I did the poems in that show, and then she said, I said something about how great you were, and she's like, yeah, it's like she doesn't know how great she is. <laughs> you know? Oh. oh, that's lovely. And then I thought, <laughs> well, then I thought, she's telling me that, she's not telling you that. You know, like, I wonder if she actually did she share does. That. She yeah, does. Yeah, she definitely yeah. told me that. Yeah. She took a lot of um, I mean, she was the, and... she was like, yeah. a number one fan at that yeah. shop it was lovely I to felt that there. you know yeah. I thought I could the connection was like she was there like a fan you oh, know so and, lovely. yeah it's always really lovely to have family at gigs I do tend to get more nervous about it yeah um but it's always lovely yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you do a year in Christchurch is it I did two and a half years in Christchurch right. and then I moved up to Hamilton and I lived in Auckland for a while and the bands that I was in predominantly when I was at jazz school were disco and funk covers bands. Yeah, yeah. It always seems music. to be the way, doesn't it? Yeah. And, and, and reggae and yeah. for other people, you know. Yeah. It's always, you know, meet people who are good at music yeah. and then go off and explore something else. Yeah. Seems to yeah. be the thing. I do really love that genre. Yeah. yeah. I've just been learning the... Um, you know, the rock me again, again, yeah, yeah. again. Yeah. Lynn Collins tune. Yeah, yeah. Such a good tune to sing. Yeah. So I'm lucky to be able to dip my toes into other genres that are... But part of that is because I also really love to dance. Mm. I love to dance. Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know. Just always been there. Moving my body. Just yeah. a, a music-related, <laughs> you know, a music household. Yeah. 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 
And so what are you going to do with this? Are you thinking like, well, one way or another I'm going to be a singer or are you, do you have to have a job? Are you thinking about a job I outside? Have a job. No, no, yeah. I mean back then. Oh, when you're, okay. like, oh, so you're yeah. studying, are you going, well, this yeah. is actually all going somewhere? Well, I wasn't thinking. I wasn't yeah. thinking of that and I wish that I had been. I was yeah. more just enjoying doing it in and learning. In la-la land and just happy, like yes. dreaming and drifting. Yeah. yeah, and I think that if I'd had a bit of time, I may have, not that I have any regrets or mm, mm. anything like that, but I'm also really passionate about plants and I would have loved to have studied about that. But, I mean, it's, 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 it's a huge expectation to think that a... 16 year old could have any idea of what they yeah, want to do totally. the rest of their life no and totally that's why I'm asking if you can remember having yeah. had any no, concept of it because why would you I had a really good time I had <laughs> yeah. no supervision I was yeah. in Christchurch I was 16 at jazz school yeah. so it was a good time yeah and then, of course, a lot of those people ended up living in Auckland and we were in bands in Auckland and I mean, guess what I wanted to do when I was 16 what? I wanted to write poems, write about music and talk on the radio about music and maybe play some music yeah and that's what I've ended up doing um and I, I sort of think, why didn't I want to do something else? Like, yeah. That's crazy that I had that, it, it arrived in me fully formed. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do from about the age of 14. And I've done versions of all of those yeah. things. And have I been successful at them? Probably not. Certainly not financially. Yeah. Um, but I haven't, you know, it's like I've pursued them. And now I feel like I've wrestled them into a space where I'm really comfortable with my contributions to mm. those to those areas, I, yeah. they they exist for me in the way I want them to exist. Yeah. I think mostly, but I often think when I talk to people about this, I actually think, "Fuck, it's weird that arguably I had it all sorted, mm. but I really didn't." And I think that's yeah. what contributed to me fucking around from about the age of eighteen to about twenty five yeah. because it, the thing that I thought was going to happen didn't quite all happen. But how could it? Because I didn't actually have the the proper runs on the board and the experience. Yeah. Instead, I just drifted and fucked around. But then I ended up coming back to, it hasn't changed. Yeah. I, I always, from very, very early, wanted to have babies. I'm completely, I love babies. Yeah. And you saying that, actually all I ever wanted was to have babies, have a garden, that yeah. I could have all of the plants that I love in it, and be a singer. And I ended up having that. Yeah. Things have changed now. <laughs> <laughs> well talk me through so you are in Auckland playing no, in bands I was in Auckland playing in bands mm. and then uh, then moved to Wellington mm. and, what, and you moved to Wellington to study again like to, um, to get uh, it all yes I did yeah, actually um, to do the jazz school. and I lasted one day right <laughs> so just, that was where you had the freak out I knew I knew that I would not work I knew that it was a bad decision to go back there and I wouldn't do the work that had was you, required had you picked up and learnt too many bad habits, basically, to, to, to go into a situation where you were going to be told you had to shake those? Yes, and discipline. Yeah. Well, it wasn't really that. It was more that the being careful what I say. I didn't sort of... I don't think my habits were bad. I mm. think I, I perhaps would have been trying... Would have been... Someone would have made an effort to convince me of changing my habits, which I didn't believe were bad, into habits that I thought were ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Which, it was one day, so that was probably an unwise decision, potentially, but mm. I knew that I wouldn't have worked. And I, I, I do think that um, I have, due to um, a little bit of a lack of supervision in my early years, didn't have the required amount of discipline. Mm. I can relate to that. I've, yeah. I, I reckon I probably lasted... 
17 or 25 days at journalism school or something like that but it was yep. only that much you know yeah. I was I was gone I was gone on the first term yeah <laughs> and uh and apparently that's reassuring yeah well apparently <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't know who to but um apparently they um the last day I went there was a photography component we were learning how to use you know cameras and doing like shots of each other and then I never I just didn't turn up again and then the next the very next day or whatever they were doing the talk about the photos and they were showing some slides and then it finished with just a big picture of my face on the screen and I'd already been increasingly absent yeah and then I'd gone back to do this photo day and then just not fronted again and I remember I think it was a year or so later or sometime later anyway one of the guys in the class I bumped into in the street and he said it was really funny your it was yeah. like big brother peering in on us your face was just hovering there as the last slide on this thing and they kept talking and and then I've ended up well interacting with a lot of people that were in that class that became you know journalists and worked but at, to begin with I was one of the more published people from that from that year yeah um but I didn't have the qualification I didn't stick it out I was an idiot and I regret yeah. that. I regret, I regret that. On, it I regret it on some level, absolutely. Yeah. But you know, whatever, it's happened. Yeah. yeah. So I can identify with that. I regret it now because I, mm. the more that I learn about the brain and what it is, I mean, I, I think I'm really good with babies. Yeah, yeah. But and the singing and the babies and all just vulnerable people. But you, yeah, and also you, just on a really purely mechanical thing, you've been at home presumably with. Yeah. a baby to raise and you've had yeah. your good days and your bad days and you've had your good gigs and your bad gigs yeah. and, and good good days at your job and bad days and so when you get to you know whatever somewhere past 30 I think you actually start to go you know fuck I just needed a bit of this mental toughness I should have just stuck it out and done the fucking you know because I've had some shit times yeah. doing what I've had to do but I've got through it why couldn't I have just applied that to that study component well that's what I think you know with regard to myself I go I've done all sorts of shitty things now that I've had to do and taken some joy in them and I've stuck stuck it out what about me was not ready to do that then you know why couldn't I just see that I just needed to stay for 20 more weeks whatever it was yeah I, th I, I think that my I'm passionate about communication. I'm passionate about communicating on a physiological level with people, and I think that's where my love of singing comes from. Mm -hmm. um, there's something, there's definitely something about jazz for me. That's my, that's my thing. But my looking into that mm. led me to then. I was in a job, and I on my day off volunteered at a special at a special needs school, and I would sing and work with my voice with those kids you know and now I'm working with kids with special needs and now what I would really love to study is psychology because I'm mm. so interested in the brain and using my voice with that so it's I mean as good as it would have been so you're like the a, only reason it would have been good for me to have studied yeah. is not to have helped my singing but, to but have, so that now I would only need to do one year of a master's yeah, in music to, therapy to, I was going to say you're, <laughs> you're like an ad hoc music therapist yeah yeah, yeah and, which is unfortunate yeah yeah because I feel like I have yeah I have, I will have a lot to bring, and I, I would, I do intend to. Yeah, no, I mean, I, you know, I have these mm. things too. I mean, I, I, if I just, I mean, I can't 
for the life of me, I can't get a job in radio production, but I know I'm fucking excellent at it. Yeah. And I've been called in to do it occasionally, and they won't have me. And mm. it's like, if I just had that stupid fucking piece of paper. Yeah. Because that's what most of the people up there have got. And it's like, I'm not saying those people up there at, at the stations are bad. Yeah. At all. But it's like, I could be as good as them. But um, I just can't get that chance. And, and it's yeah. my fault. I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming anyone. So I mm. just go, how stupid that... Yes, it's stupid some people can't see past it, but it's more stupid of me that mm. I, I could have fixed that situation. That's yeah, that's, yeah. Fortunately, though, for me, with regards to what I do, there are so many other ways that I can affect mm. people and work with that without having the paper. Mm. You know, and that's sort of um, in, so much informal learning. And if I'm able to work with kids with special needs, I know that I can work with them in a way that's... Uh, positive and nourishing for them regardless of whether I have the paper or not it's more needing to provide security for my own children and be able to earn enough money yeah 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 whereas if you with the radio production that's quite specific yeah 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 well you do one day and you get the fuck out yeah and so, and so what, what, but you don't get the fuck out of Wellington. I don't get the fuck out of Wellington because I met um, my husband down there who's a sax player, Anton Watts, and we got together and I got pregnant with my first baby. And then um, I had Maddie and Anton went off and worked on a cruise ship for seven months and Maddie was four months old and so I moved back up to Hawke's Bay and was there while he was on a cruise ship. And then while he was away, his um, wonderful old saxophone teacher passed away and had all of these students and all of this work. So he came back from overseas into full-time teaching so we ended up staying in Hawke's Bay. Mm, yeah. Mm. Anton, was he part of Letterbox Lambs at yes, one point? He was. Yes, yes. Him and his brother Oscar. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember that yeah. band very well. Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a good time in Wellington. It was, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, because we didn't, we didn't know each other at all, but we were in Wellington at the same time yeah. and probably quite likely in the same space seeing Definitely, many shows. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And so you've been up here since when? Oh, since Maddie was a baby, so since mm. 2003, mm-hmm. yeah. And you just slip into, when do you slip into performing again up here, and how does that happen? Well, I, um, it was the tropics. Yeah. And um, I think Maddie was about one and a half. I went to see them play. I can't remember if Anton had been asked to go and do a gig. I think so. It was O'Flaherty's. Mm-hmm. Good old O'Flaherty's. Yeah, yeah. And I, I used to play there a bunch in, a, in, a, in an Irish band, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to come <laughs> up and play there. Yeah. I was quite shy, and um, but they were playing something that I thought I'd be able to have a good sing on, and yeah. I made a motion, and then the drummer thought I was offering him a drink. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so I didn't end up singing with them, but then... Then I did after that, and I think we that was sort of around the time that we played at the Windsock every Wednesday night. And the great thing about that band, I mean, I started singing with them, and I'd be sitting at the bar with my back to everybody because it's terrifying to be mm. improvising, and I'd be sort of, mm. um, yeah. But it, you know, grew some chops with it, you know, because I was doing it every single week. But I did gigs through. I mean, they weren't. There are jazz players here, but 
I didn't sing much jazz. My second baby, my brains are addled because that was a very intense time. Mm -hmm. But we recorded the Tropics, the only Tropics album there is, recorded when I was heavily pregnant with her. Yeah, I remember that record, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. she was backstage with a midwife yeah. when we did the release party. Yeah. 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 And um, and so what, 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 how have you got to what you're doing now? You've just carried on. Well, I haven't really ever sorted out yeah I've always been so busy so yeah. people want so fame contacted me I think before I had about ten, ten, nine or ten years ago um, to do some singing for him and that was his stuff which is just so mm. great to, bonkers and great his song's yeah, just yeah. brilliant to sing yeah yeah and if, uh, you know, he's I, one I of those. He's calls. one of those musicians and writers that I've been fixating on this a bit lately he's one of those guys who can the songs he writes are only he can write them. You, yeah. know, you know how some people write in the style of other yep. people or and, and very much copy yeah. and trace around. He's got his own thing he's Definitely. creating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No one can do it like him. It's a real privilege to to be singing his songs when, yeah. I, when I'm able to sing them. And so working with him and... Uh, yeah, working with Willie D in a smaller setting with Professor Dynamite and then I did some work with the guitarist... The old guitarist of the Tropics, Kurt Yates. We did mm -hmm. some work together. I sort of I've done some shows in the. I guess because I've lived in main centres, I've known musicians through those areas. So I've ended up mm. going and playing in jazz festivals and with those people. But it's never been a. The only sort of solid standard band I've been in for years and years is the Tropics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Normally I'd pull people together for whatever I was going to be doing. Mm. Yeah. But that's a. I mean, like. You know, Lisa Tomlins is like that. You know, yeah. there's a, that's a singer thing. That's a, that, yeah. that's a possibility for singers to go with the flow of what people are doing. Yeah. And well, certain. You know, she's a great example of someone who can shape herself to suit. Yeah. What a person requires. She's incredibly versatile. Yes. So. Yeah. Yeah. And just one of those. Um, I mean, she was one of the very first people I talked to for this podcast, oh. actually. But just one of those people who's she, she's one of those people who I've, I've I mean I don't know her super well but we will talk when we see each other and I always like how I think her and Ricky Gooch are similar in that they constantly surprise you by how much music they are into yeah and everyone who's into music and knows music knows music and you go well that's that shouldn't yeah. be a surprise but the things that those two are listening to I'm always like yeah. that's so cool that you, you know I've, I've DJed a couple of times when Lisa's been there and she's come oh, up yeah. and gone you know I'm glad you're playing this yeah this has been my favorite song since I was seven or yeah. you know whatever she's got some story and you're like yeah. fuck that's cool I didn't realize you knew that but I then again, why wouldn't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. When I was in Wellington, sometimes I would fill in for Lisa and the Shaken Not Stirred yep. group. Yep. And I learned so much from her and her the way that she is on stage, she's phenomenal as a front person. The she way is. that she speaks to the yes. audience. Yeah. She has the most incredible uh, grace on stage. Yeah, I remember going to the Matterhorn one night and probably pretty foggy and loaded, you know, and yeah. I remember walking into the Matterhorn with Ben Fulton and Darren Watson. We had all met up somewhere. Yeah. We had not started our night together, but we had met up somewhere. And we were cruising around. This is a long time ago. And we walk into the Matterhorn, and Lisa's fronting probably the Eggs or something like that, oh, yeah. one of those bands, and she basically stops what she's doing 
to welcome each of us but in the context of the song still yeah. you know she takes a step step forward from the microphone and yeah. shakes hands gives hugs doesn't name us you know we're not yeah. important but it was like being welcomed into someone's house yeah. you know that's what it was and I always remember thinking how incredible that was yeah you know I mean, she obviously she knew each of us and she knew each of us yeah. on a different level and in different ways but it was like it wasn't because of who we were it was because she was welcoming us in it was yeah. cool and I thought I just remember thinking you know not not everyone can do that no. either it could look it could look and feel very hackneyed to do that but she made it very natural and, well, and we didn't feel on the spot you yeah. know like she just when I think of um if I if I wanted to change the way that I am on stage it would be to be, be a good model like yeah. but she just feels like such a smooth professional as the front of a group she yeah. knows how to do it and she does it really well but she has all of that she has all of that stuff you're talking about she has the anxiety and the um worry about whether she's doing a good job when she's not doing it and stuff you know <laughs> she does have that hmm that's interesting <laughs> you know yeah well Lisa's a very real person yeah yeah and well, best. I mean, Wellington from that era has got some, um, and, the, and so many people are still doing it, of yeah. course, because that's what they do. But that particular era we were talking about before, Letterbox Lambs playing, yeah. sort of late, mid to late 90s, yeah. there was an extraordinary pool of talent in Wellington. I'm sure there was in other yeah. places, but that's where I happened to be. Mm. So there was an extraordinary pool of talent and working together in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Lots of different configurations of, you know... Yeah, just a sort of incredible melting pot of creativity and everyone being able to... Find... To access the people yeah, that yeah, can find best a express their carve ideas. Out, carve yeah. out little spaces. Yeah, and the space was there. Yeah. As well, that was quite a big... Spent a lot of time at the space. Yeah, so Antoine did I. Was very yeah, yeah. I loved the space. It was... Yeah. So brilliantly weird what you could Definitely. see there. And you could see some really mainstream accessible things there too. Yeah. They'd do that they'd occasionally do their, you know, inverted commas money gigs because yeah. they had to pay their rent. So they'd have their money gigs that were gonna pull in a really big crowd. Yeah. You know, Jonathan Crayford or someone like that would be a money gig for there. Yeah. But then they'd have, you know, Chris O'Connor doing a solo drum performance yeah. and they'd be like putting duct tape on the floor tom with a contact mic and yeah. peeling it off and <laughs> yeah god amazing amazing i flushed my glasses down the loo one night at the space that was really <laughs> unfortunate yeah. you could have sold that as a show yeah there, you know yeah could have. maybe <laughs> we used to god. do i used to i used to organize an open mic night there for a while oh. poetry open mic thing and that was man the people that came up to that it was loose it yeah, was very yeah. loose yeah and lots of singer songwriters would infiltrate that yeah and <laughs> for good and bad usually for bad but yeah yeah, yeah. It was, I mean there, there are still places like that that pop up but that one was a real yeah. special time and I a real so, special yeah. energy around it I think yeah so you don't miss being I miss Elsewhere it. you do. I do. I yeah. really do. I miss it. Um, and I mean, a couple of weekends ago, I did a gig at um, the Urban Winery with Caleb Robinson and Tom mm. on drums and Will, the four of us together. And it was probably the my ultimate most favourite gig I've ever done with Tom. 
Yeah, how often do you play together? Not very often, no. no. Not very often. He's a, good, he's a good player. He is. He's, he's a really, really good, good player. Yeah. He's a he's beautifully melodic player. Yes. Very reliable. Yeah, really and, 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 and versatile. Like he does a lot yeah. of different things, right? Yeah. Like I've, I was thinking about, I mean, he sends me a bit of stuff he does, and I've sort of sorted out. Like he's appeared on a few very different projects, and, yeah. and not all people can do that again. Like some people get yeah. their little their little spot that they occupy. I do love working with Tom. And I also really love, I did a thing with, um, uh, it was just a track that he thought would be good to add me on to with Lorenzo doing some rapping or, but working with Tom and being directed by Tom I always really enjoy I mm. always really enjoy that mm, mm. yeah but this jazz gig was just yeah such a huge huge pleasure and I, I wish I was elsewhere because I'd be able to do that all the time mm. you know there would be the the um, the the audience for it enough people there'd be the venues for it there'd be the love of it holding you back from marketing yourself to do more of that stuff because you say that but you could be coming down and being a part of the wellington jazz festival you could be coming going to auckland and performing you could be doing that with either people from here or with people you know in those cities but it sounds like Mm. you you would do it if the call came for you but why can't you i mean I'm i'm not trying to put you on the spot here I'm just sort oh, of no, asking no, I'm the... aware that that's, yeah. how, that's how it is yeah I think that I have a um... this is tied to the um, performance anxiety yeah thing. I think yeah. I think it, I think it is mm. and also the having three children and mm. they're all quite um, they have their needs and they have their needs and it, it makes life really busy and I suppose what I do get phoned up for makes me really busy already but it is a confidence thing it's a not really knowing how to do it and being afraid of it. I know that. It's just... Mm. Yeah. Well, do you silly. want to record more? Is that the way around that? I would love In to. In terms of helping to get the word out or whatever as well? Like, and the, I think the I'd business... I'd like to tour. I'd yeah. like to... I'd like to organise a tour that's a couple of weeks where I just go up and down the country and do lots and lots of gigs in places. I'd like to... Recording's nice, but... For me, I just get so much from the people in front of me. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. It's going to be more of a pleasure. Live recording, I yeah. would always be keen to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. I, th- I mean, I, I've always advocated for the fact that, I mean, outside of whatever technical um, complications might arise and that they seem pretty minimal these days, I've always advocated for the fact that more New Zealand artists should be recording live yeah, things to definitely. to just put on Bandcamp, you know, to not mm. physically make into a product, but just to have, yeah, to just mix into uh, an acceptable shape for people to hear. That's like amazing. I played a gig the other week with this band that I'm playing with. I've started playing again for a wee bit, and I'm playing in this kind of um, what would you call it? Well, we're at the Fringe Festival doing a sort of. Um, um, installation sort of piece so yeah. it's like kind of sound noise stuff and uh, the first thing that people said uh, the first thing that two people came up and said is where can we hear more of this music and I was like yeah. well you can't we, yeah. <laughs> you can't come tomorrow night that's how you can hear more of yeah. it now the guy who's actually running the project like he, yes he's got a website and there is 
recordings he's made with other people but in terms of this Wellington configuration of his band we're pretty new together and no of course we haven't thought to go and record anything and why yeah. would you but but we should be recording what we're doing as we're doing it yeah. and having it somewhere so people can get a little touch because because people like to share this stuff with yeah. others I went and you know the conversation is I went and saw this band I liked it you might not like it but you might hear it is and here's the link to, yeah. you know it's never been easier to send someone a link which they may ultimately ignore but you're doing mm. your service by sending it to someone and I just think more people should be yeah you know that's the business card that, that you create you I mean you and Will the thing you're doing like that house concert yeah. you know that would have been a beautiful recording yeah wouldn't and it? there are some lovely and it's lovely it, it's lovely when things yeah. just sit and live in the moment as well I'm a big fan of that that like you had to be there it's that's good to cool be able to critique yourself into that's I mean, right I, I think that recording in its most casual, um, at its most casual level, is essential. Yeah. To be able to have an understanding of of that you're doing what you want to be doing. This is sounding how I want to be sounding. Yeah. That's the first thing I do if I have vocal students is to. Yeah. To get them to listen to themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going back though to that marketing myself. Yeah. Because. I think that it's such a it's such an emotional thing for me to be performing with that anxiety, and my day to day life, I think, has forced me to my limits so often, and I work enough not doing that 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 I haven't been able to do that. There's been a bit of hmm. uh, a bit of trauma, I think, in my personal life with my my middle child specifically that has meant that I have not been able to. To go there, it's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Been enough your, and safe your, and your bandwidth is tapped. Like, yeah, you know, I, yeah, I suppose I've been thrust out of my comfort zone yeah. in such an extreme way in that place mm. that it's been. Um, I've been extremely fortunate to have been carried musically through that time with the people that I've played with anyway. That are like a fun, really. The Tropics mm. guys are all really precious. Mm. So I think that's why. But the time. Time is coming, I think. I don't know. Yeah, I, well, no, I think so. I mean, <laughs> I, I do. I think, like, what? how do we get more people to hear what you're doing now? Because there's a... You know, like... I, I remember sharing with you, you know, I'm such a big Billy Holiday fan. Yeah. But I know there's a barrier of entry there. I know yeah. from talking to lots of people from playing... I mean, my son just goes, why are you fucking playing that again? And he's pretty good about most stuff I put on. He's interested. But he just thinks... I get it. I mean, it's just mm. so ancient to him. Yeah. And, um, I, you know, I was talking to my mum about it, who I'm sure introduced me to Billy Holiday, and she was like, yeah, I don't really like her voice. And I was like, what? And she goes, oh, no, I mean, it's great, but it, I can only take it for a little bit. And I thought, well, yes, that's... Mostly, I just think, you're a fucking idiot. Yeah. But I... <laughs> But I also go, no, I, I get it. Mm. There, that is a barrier of entry. But you singing a Billie Holiday song, for example, is a, could be a way in for some people, or, you yeah. know, as well as you getting to do it because it's great. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to sing those yeah. fucking songs? Especially so many of those songs, there are great versions by Frank Sinatra and many mm. other people. They aren't just her songs. Yeah. But... Um, you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah. you you could help 
And because jazz is a dirty word still to a lot of people, which is weird. Yeah, well, ironically, considering that it actually is a dirty yeah, word. That's true. You know? yeah, yeah, that's yeah. one of the reasons why I just love singing that yeah. do or douche song. Because yeah. I think that people have, with the, uh, I don't want to, I'm not sure if I can say, the, the cool. postmodern jukebox um, flavour of taking songs and, yeah, yeah. and even groups where a singer will sing a jazz song without having an understanding of improvising, so they're yes. not actually... Um, yeah, using the skill of vocal jazz, mm. I think that that's that's quite important to me because it's what I would love to be able to go and see. Um, I went and saw that postmodern jukebox the first time oh, they came yeah. to. I think it was the first time they came to Wellington, and I know they've been. I've certainly been back a few times, and I think when I saw them, it must have been the first time because they played a Bodega, and now they oh, play yes. the Opera House yeah. and stuff. And I, you know, I. I, I I just kind of like, no, you know, like a couple, first song, I was like, man, these are good musicians, of course. You know, I'd seen yeah. some of the clips and stuff, so it's like, yeah, these are great musicians. Yeah, the drummer was good, the, obviously the main guy, good, good, good pianist, I guess, like, good enough. And the singers, are, are, they look great, they sound great, but... But the first thing you said that's it. was that they look great. And I know. that is that's no, that's, the issue. That's for me. the issue. No, I agree. Like yeah. that, totally, me too. That's why I said it. I normally mm. wouldn't I normally wouldn't care yeah. about that. But it was noticeable that it was a product. That's exactly it. It was it's like walking yeah. into It's like McDonald's. It's like it's, it's like walking into oh. you know, certain tidy houses is a great thing to do. And then certain tidy clean houses you walk in and you go, well, this is a sterile environment and I don't feel comfortable. Mm. This is this is a catalogue home. Yeah. You know, not a lived-in family home that's tidy, which can mm. look cool. Like, yeah, I just, I couldn't handle it. So I left. Yeah. But people love it and I don't know yeah. why really because it's novelty uh, music yeah. to me. Because like, it's novelty music and because that, I mean, that era, it, I mean, the most incredible class. Yeah comes from that era and so this the style and the suits and the instruments and the the vibe but what really um i didn't enjoy hearing was that it's making jazz accessible to young kids because yeah. it's not no it's not real either it's, it's not it's real... making them attracted to a package that's not actually it's a completely different to me it's a completely different thing like it's, the, the it's a circus the... it's it's novelty on a level like a circus it's yeah. parading a tune around dressed in new vintage clothing or whatever like some sort yeah. of vintage look brand new shiny clothing and it's telling the incorrect story isn't it it's not telling the real story of the music yeah and it's then they're such amazing songs that the jazz tunes there's some really yeah. beautiful amazing songs you don't need to pluck them from britney spears no you know we don't yeah. why do that when yeah, yeah. the most incredible things yeah 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 I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not fucking about to start a Facebook page saying they should be shut down. No, no. They can do I what they like and they don't need. Yeah. But I, I ended up actually interviewing that guy, so Scott Bradley, oh, yeah. I think his name oh. is, the, the pianist who runs the postmodern jukebox. And I found, I found him to be a pretty soulless, vacuous sort of chap to speak to, actually. <laughs> like, I kind of went, you know, <coughs> a phone interview, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. Yeah. I'm not doing anything with that. Like, <laughs> you know, like, it was just, it just, it was just very, because he runs a business. Yeah, that's, yeah. And that's what I got from it's it. It's like, you, you've created a product, mm. and fuck, you've paid back everything your parents spent on piano lessons for you, and that's yeah. impressive. Um, but... You know, I could be telling, talking to you about, yeah. um, you know, distributing shoes. 
really. That's yeah. really what you're doing. It's the same thing. You're, you're marketing and distributing shoes for people to wear. You know. Yeah, ironically, because I refuse to wear shoes when I sing. Well, I couldn't. I, I never used to. Do it. I never used to wear shoes when I played the drums. I couldn't play yeah. play in shoes, but I've changed that now. Only okay. only just now. Like I spent. It was yeah. like an affectation thing. I think. I thought. I thought that it had this practical application of oh the pedals feel yeah, very different feel on my yeah. feet and I can curl my toes over to yeah. hold grip the pedal in a different way. And then I had years off playing and then I started playing again and I was like, oh, I'm just going to play my shoes. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, fuck, what am I on? <laughs> it's about like it's when fun. I left to drive. Yeah. <laughs> I started out in bare feet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. But but these stories, I mean, you hinted at it. You you were captivated by you know these queens of jazz oh, yeah. and stuff at an early age. And so has that never left you, or did no, did it's never left? Never me. left. No. Yeah. No, it's magic, and yeah. and the the beauty of the classical note of Sarah Vaughan and the gospel of Aretha Franklin and Halia Jackson mm. and Ella Fitzgerald is a fucking genius. Yeah, a genius. She and my probably my favorite well it's quite hard to say that yeah, but yeah, nina yeah. simone is my yeah. uh yeah. yeah i just absolutely adore everything she does really yeah. but to uh, for my ears for my own oral pleasure her ballads nobody can do a ballad like nina does it yeah like nobody has that Depth. Well, that raw pain is there yeah. in, the, in between the in the lines, but also in mm. between the lines, right? Like, yeah, so beautiful. I'm a very big fan of Anita O'Day because oh, yes. I think she was the opposite of all of that stuff yeah. we just talked about. She was just a, a fierce lady with it who was fucking great at what she did, but I think she was just on this weird self-destructive path, and po- possibly compared to everyone else you've named comparatively came from sort of a life of privilege yeah but fuck she's extraordinary she's extraordinary i just there's this clip and i can't find it at the moment but it just astounds me there's this clip on youtube i used to watch she's singing in the 60s so she's sort of past her absolute prime but she's still sounding great and she's in japan i think and the pianist is taking a solo and she just looks at her watch (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, oh like you know fuck it be done yet hurry up and it's just it's just so amazing it's so wrong but it's so amazing like, I'm just oh like God. fuck imagine working with that you know it's oh, just brilliant it that's just, where diva comes from I just love it. I just love it though I just think yeah. well at the end of the day it's sort of excusable because you were really good but it's awful you know <laughs> but the, what I'm getting at is those sorts of stories as well around these I mean I I watched um, Jazz on a Summer's Day yeah. many years ago and probably in my first year in Wellington at a film festival or something, certainly on a, on, in a movie theatre. And it was a life-changing thing to watch that yeah. and see, well, Mahalia Jackson mm. standing about two and a half feet from the microphone and sounding yeah. like the loudest, greatest singer ever. But again, Anita O'Day just looking and sounding just so amazing in that scene and then finding out, you know, yeah, she's fucking high. Yeah. You know, she's shot up just before she's gone on stage. Yeah. But she had this whole kind of package put together mm. of looking like this prim and proper lady that just got up, you know, took her teacup down, put her teacup down to sing some jazz. It's amazing, <laughs> you know. It's just, but actually it was like, oh. put the syringe down to, to sing some jazz. Mm. 
God. It's unbelievable. That just left such an impression on me. I was like, this is, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen yeah. in my life. God, I, I think, yeah, I love that about jazz. Yeah, I'm always, you know, I'm always baffled when people say they don't get it, they have no facility for yeah. it. Like, I'm ex- obviously I'm accepting of it, but I just think, mm. well, you know, how could you not? Like, Well, I think education. I mean, yeah. I think people just don't, under- don't understand. Don't, well, people don't. do the same thing with classical music. Yeah. They certainly do the same thing with poetry too. I don't like poetry, you know, yeah. because, because, because their memory is what? Their memory is... You know, some fucking old school teacher reading it to them like they should get it yeah. first time, and they're reading something from the eighteen or early nineteen hundreds, and it's not relevant. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. You know, if you read, if you went in and read poetry to a kid, and it was now in class, and it was you know, some of Kendrick Lamar's lyrics, or or, mm. what, or whatever, God. you know, some some modern poet. No, but if you read, if you read something that could yeah. connect with them, mm. you'd hook them in. And then, mm. you, and then you give them, you know, yeah. Keats or Yeats or whatever afterwards. You don't lead with that. You don't, yeah. you know, don't have to follow things through in the order they came. Yeah, God. Um, is there anything else you want to talk about? Oh, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm having a nice chat with you. Yeah. We started this conversation um, without recording. Are you um, less nervous about it now? Are you still yeah, nervous no, the whole I, way through? No, no, I wasn't. I, I wasn't nervous at all. I Good. do. I do worry about saying the wrong thing or offending what, anybody. What are you going to say? You, <laughs> well, I, Just about I, the I, postmodern jukebox thing. I, I think I stepped in by calling the guy. Yeah, thank you. By saying you that were. I spoke to yeah. him and called him vacuous and soulless. Yeah. I think I left you off well off the hook there. What do you? Yeah. What do you want to? You can dig in deeper. Like I've already. Um, I've owned that one. What do you want to say about them? About. Oh, anything. I'd say, what do you want to say about the postponed jukebox? You can. Oh, that. just that, that it was like uh, I, 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 I really, yeah. str- I really struggle with. I mean, the um, I have had lots of comments, of course, being a woman who's done gigs and mm. often being around people that are drinking. I've shown more cleavage. I mean, even, still, I get people to ask me to wear shoes when I'm performing. Really, just. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing it, with, what, from a presentation point of view? Yeah, like, you, like hey, it's not been professional. It's not, it's not, it's not on for you to be... Yeah, and my banter, I've been told that I, you know, put a spell on them when I'm singing and then it completely disappears wow. in between songs and so much of... There's so much expectation to be that product. So, I mean, okay, so you, you said you felt, you know, emotional reading the thing I wrote about you. Absolutely. But what do you feel about these other comments that either arrive formally or informally like do you have to process them all or are you able to go I'm so used to I just it. don't care about I'm that. so used to it that I think all it comes down to for me is that when I'm going to sing I want to do the very best that I can do mm. and I'm only going to be able to do that if I'm comfortable and I'm not a product I'm not yeah, an yeah. entertainer and if you can't cope with me not wearing shoes then I can't do the gig yeah I don't I want to do my best I would have thought that that's fine in most cases. I'm surprised that there's been mm. any level of pushback on that, actually. Oh, yeah, there is. I'm a tiny bit surprised. That's amazing. Because yeah. I, I, just in the, I think it's just 101 to let the, you know, as long as the performer's not, you know, doing some pagan ritual that's going to upset a whole <laughs> lot of people and involve yeah. goat's blood, they should be allowed to essentially do yeah. what they want to do that makes them feel comfortable if they're... A, 
you know, you say it's not a, you're not a product, but if you're delivering the product in the yeah. sense that you're turning up and doing the work, mm. then it's fine, right? That's but my... I think it's because I'm a woman. Yeah, oh, I'm no front, doubt. Because I'm the front and there's an expectation to be groomed, you know, um, I've painted my toenails, you know, to show that I've made some effort, but, you know, there's... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not that, and then I look at, you know, Eta James, who the hell, if someone had an issue with someone not looking very nice when they sing... But she had ever played anywhere. It just didn't matter. And yeah. I think postmodern jukebox completely and utterly feeds in to that, which I'm so. I wrote this thing years ago it's about so wrong. I wrote this thing years ago about because um, the big thing that blew my mind when I was, I was a kid, way before Jazz on a Summer's Day, was this concert footage. It's a video, and it's the whole thing's on YouTube now. The whole concert. It's called BB King and Friends. Yeah. And it's from 1987 or 86. And he has Gladys Knight and um, Chaka Khan. And yeah. Have you seen it? I haven't seen it. It's so no, good. You have to watch it. I'll send yeah, you a link to it because it's, it's amazing. I mean, yeah. he's, he's Stevie Ray Vaughan here at Clapton. Yeah. There's, you know, Billy Ocean. There's all sorts of yeah. people on there. Phil Collins plays drums on some songs. But um, there's this extraordinary duet and it's Edda James and Dr. John. Oh, and you, and you might have seen Was that. Was it I'd Rather Go Blind? Yeah, yeah. So I've seen them do that yeah. when they were both really yeah. young, and then they, there's another yeah. video of them yeah. doing it when they're quite a bit old. And so I wrote about that. I just like, they look like they're about to eat, devour each other. Yeah. It's so beautiful. Yeah. But isn't that, that, you know, that just image came to me when you're talking about it. Isn't yeah. that the prime example? And what I love about it, I think, is that it's a man and a woman. So, yeah. like, I felt comfortable writing about it because... I was able to talk about both of them so I yep. wasn't just focusing on the fact well this is and trying to hold her up as the example that, yep. that you just gave perfectly yeah. that she is the great example of like oh. and she was a beast of a woman like like she's like the female James Brown yeah thing. exactly I, I was going to say like, James tribute yeah the hell could do that but oh, she well, when I, I say she was a beast of a woman like, like she was a tough customer Unreal. Yep. and quite unlikable yeah. Uh, you know, that's that's what I'm, I don't mean physically a beast. Yeah. She was a beast of a person and, and Dr. John had his baggage and was an interesting cat. Yeah. And they just look like these fucking hobos yeah. that are just about to devour each other. And the the sound that they make oh. and the way they sell that song is yeah. one of the most incredible things. And I remember thinking that when I was nine, you know, watching it at nine yeah. and just going, What the fuck is this? Yeah. And I would watch that Probably most weeks I'll yeah. go back and watch that. I love you know? that and I love seeing it when they're young. Yeah. Together, and then again when yeah. they're much older. And yeah. it just, they seem to be such old friends. Yes, you know? yeah. It's, I love and that. And that, that's clip. the thing they're bonded over. Yeah. You know? Maybe it's that yeah. song or music in general, eh? That that's yeah. the thing that they, yeah. Just the raw, who gives a shit? This is totally. what I do and I've got to get it out. And the confidence is there too though of, we know yeah. we sound fucking great, you know. So, yeah. like, who gives a shit? Because, what? and maybe if I hadn't, maybe if it wasn't so like that now, maybe then I would be a bit more confident, you know. Because I, because I can't. Um, I don't, someone once said to me, "I put the ass in class." <laughs> I'm, I don't feel like I'm a very classy individual, and I don't want to be. But the pressure to be that takes away from my feeling of being professional enough whereas if I was on that time I think that it would have been a completely different experience mm. but you know I'm a sensitive thing I need to toughen up a bit well, you're one of the best singers I've heard in New Zealand oh, so you know Thank but you. it's the truth so why um, who, who, 
who cares beyond that? Like, that's, that's fucking doing it, you know? And I'm not saying my opinion means anything, but I think it's fair to say it's backed up by it the fact that I... It means something to me. Yeah, cool, mm. absolutely, it's supposed to. But yep. also, um, it is backed up by the fact that, that I happen to have seen quite a few singers, is all I'm saying. You know, yep. I'm not just picking a number and going, you'll, yep. do, you'll do. Like, I have actually <laughs> experienced a lot of bad singers and a lot of great singers. Well, thank you. I to get joy from it of level that's quite hard. To well, that that was um, that was palpable on on such a profound level. I think mm. that was the thing that I was you know going. Um, this means a lot for this person to be doing this. Like these songs, you know, you understood every single song you were yeah. doing, and 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 you understood. Um, the way to send them to people, you know, the mm. way to, because you've got a lot of first timers in that audience, and yeah. in the sense that they're not going to know every song. But then yeah. also, you weren't just trying to um, introduce completely obscure songs to people. A lot of really mm. well known songs too, a lot of standards, you know, yeah. a lot of things that people didn't know, and they would have had their own connections to other versions of those songs. And yeah. So you're not trying to obliterate Definitely. that. You're actually the the deepness of your understanding is that you're able to. Um, allow people to still, you know, you've got respect for the other versions that you're just guessing people have heard. That yeah. comes across too. You're like, we all know and love this song. We know yeah. it in, in all sorts of different versions. Here's an attempt at it. Yeah, I do. Uh, Michael Bublé actually is someone who chooses song choices, the songs I love, but then arrangements I really don't. Yeah, yeah. So it's a, I don't know, I just yeah, that, that he's he said that. A, he's a pretty weird conundrum because I yeah. remember I remember seeing him when he was basically no one oh, like yeah. he had one album out and he was brought to New Zealand for a little showcase almost like a kind of industry gig like there weren't that many people at it yeah and he was so good so yeah. fully formed he had everything down yeah um in terms of his banter he was like a comedian yeah and you just couldn't help but like him yeah and I've not felt that about him ever since. You know, yeah. like basically the first proper mm. album came out and the, the machine got him. Yeah. You know, the industry got him and wrapped him up and went, this is, too, this is, this is a gift. This, mm. is a, this is a new, more funny Harry Connick Jr. We can't let this go. Like, this mm. is going to make us money. That's what I think happened. Yeah. And so, fair enough, whatever. Mm. But, um, yeah, I've never had any interest in him since. But you are right about, you look at the, because I've worked in retail and I've worked in reviewing, you look at the albums as they churn out, and apart from the Christmas ones, you look at the actual albums and it's like, these are good song choices. Yeah. I just have no interest in hearing I how you're going to sell them. Yeah, I haven't yeah. had that experience before of hearing a, an arrangement that's made me like the song less. It, hap- it definitely mm-hmm. happens. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Harry Connick Jr. the other day for the first time in a while and thinking, you know, he's extraordinarily good. Like, I, I don't want to listen to everything he does, but mm. um, and he's a bit of a ham too because it's yeah. worked out for him. But somewhere in there, and I, I guess I put it down to the, the, the raw, prodigious talent of his yeah. music, you know, the fact that he was, again, born into a musical family and given no choice but to play. Mm. You he's know. got beautiful time. Yeah, well, he's a, yeah. he's an exquisite player. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a fine singer, but mm. he is an exquisite player, and and he understands um, you know some of that grit and dirt mm. for a guy who does such shiny package material. Yeah, he does actually understand some of that grit and dirt. You know, and he you know he does those albums with a bit of a New Orleans feel, and uh, mm. yeah, okay, it it's not 
really deep and dirty, but the feel is there because he Mm. understands it. Yeah. I I always get the impression that on those albums, no, but I'm sure that when he goes and hangs out oh, yeah, on exactly. the weekends and the bars, it's there. Yeah, I mean, he's a, yeah. guy, he's a, guy, who's worked out, like he's a guy who's worked out how to get yeah. paid, I think. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, you know, you'd love to see... He's a bit like the Prince thing. You'd love to see him do an after party, you yeah. know, like, Far I think. Out. That's when it would really... <laughs> Prince is like... Oh, yeah, yeah, yes, but, but you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Prince... Prince was great. <coughs> Prince knew how to do the package thing, but then the after party was yep. just where he really... Man. Did you ever see Prince? No, no. I, I saw. I saw that. I, I saw that piano show. Oh man! That just months before he died, and it was. I was I've, I've got a recording of it. I was listening to it the other day. Someone made a recording and sent it to me, and I couldn't listen to it for a while. But now I'm just like, yeah. it's just the most amazing thing to have, and just mm. to listen to it now and then, and locate yourself. Just go, fuck! I was there. I was yeah. in the room with that. Like I was talking to a guy the other day who I was going to bring this up when you mentioned. It. I was talking to a guy who saw Nina Simone in 1981 yeah. at, and Ronnie Scott's. And it was just like, imagine what it'd be like. And he's like, we're in the front row. And it's just like, just fucking stop it. Like, I don't, you know. But so, you know, that's going to be my version of that. And obviously a couple of thousand other people have that story too. But it's like, I was in the room with Prince. Yeah. And Prince has been in the room with me my entire life. Yeah. You know, in various ways. Yes, certainly since I was about seven or eight years old. And I've never... So filthy. Never stopped listening to it. (laughs) So I know. Isn't it it glorious? Yeah. You know, it's just... It's, it's yeah. the best of his stuff to me is just profoundly glorious yeah. it's just like there's no one <laughs> and that whole how you can hear the moving parts you know you yeah. stole that from James Brown you lifted yeah. that from Sly Stone you, you know but not in a way but that no. makes it feel cut up that's, no no that's right yeah. it's like that seamless there's a just, new song by um, uh, Bruno Mars and yeah. someone else They've gotten together and they've put out a new song. Yeah, yeah, I, I know. Yeah, yeah. And that to me sounds like a whole lot of bits and pieces yeah, all stuck yeah. together. You can hear. Well, that's the thing with Bruno Mars, isn't it? It's another one of those shiny package kind of guys where it's like, it's not all yeah. bad. It's not all bad at all, but it's just like. I'd like. Uh, I'd yeah. love to hear something a bit looser, like. Yeah, yeah. where are the where are the um, Stevie Wonders? Where are the. Yeah, what this is. Well, they're around, but they're just doing like you know, mm-hmm. they're doing house concerts and they're playing. You know, they are though. They're doing yeah. like those things because there isn't like they're not shiny pack. They're not shiny package people, mm-hmm. and they're not going to cut through. Yeah. So that they're as yet undiscovered, basically, mm-hmm. but it exists. That's exciting. It is exciting. It exists. You know, you can go and see amazing people playing mm. really good stuff and it's world class and it just happens to be I mean I think you know the number you know the number of people making music in Hawke's Bay that are really really good yeah. is is far beyond what I would have ever imagined as a kid who grew up here and left yeah. here a little bit revolted by the place yeah. <laughs> and came back as a tourist and liked to kind of challenge it and mock it a bit but I mean just the fact that fucking Jacob live here I'm yeah. just like that's <laughs> That's one of the world's best bands, you know. Yeah. Like that might not be to everyone's taste musically. Yeah. I get that. Uh, that mm. There's no stumbling block there. I get why a person might not want to listen to them. But the the alchemy of what they do, mm. of those personalities and their yeah. and their groundedness, and then the sound that they make is just fucking extraordinary. And yeah. then the fact that it's just three blokes who have day jobs in Napier. Three lovely blokes. Uh, mm, absolutely. Really lovely. Absolutely. You're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Three kind and wise souls, yeah. which again feeds into that. That's, that's yeah. part of why it's so great. 
But isn't that cool? Like it's really, it's really lovely, and I appreciate that, and I'm grateful for it in Hawke's Bay. Definitely. Well, it's it's got um, the thing I was sort of saying to someone about Hawke's Bay is recently is the, I guess it's a bit of a, um, the money's here, and in a lot of ways, and that money is starting to provide opportunities for some creatives so like what i mean is the hawks bay arts festival is a, yeah. is a good package yeah and you can get a good you can get a good gig out of that yeah and you get good good audience you know mm. good shows happen and you know they revived i didn't go to it but the other year they revived julia dean's doing the Joni mitchell show yeah. and that's a really good show i've yeah. seen that in wellington and it's good yeah, players definitely. good show and that's a great level of my, my parents went to that i don't reckon my yeah. parents could name a Joni mitchell song I really don't think they could. And yeah. they came back from it going, oh, that was fucking great. Yeah. And I was like, she's Brilliant. good, isn't she? And they're like, yeah, but we like the songs. And I was yeah. like, good, finally, you know. Yeah. But yes. good, you know, because they are great songs. Yeah. But I, so I thought that's a that's a perfect thing. To, and, you know, Reb yeah. Fountain comes here and does her Nick Cave show and stuff, which is the same sort of yeah. thing, like a, an introduction to two, you know, a merging of two sets of worlds. Mm. That just wouldn't have happened even just a few years ago. It definitely brings... I mean, the first year that the Arts Festival came in the Spiegel Tent, I did an Nina Simone concert. And then the second year, um, I put together a band of all-female jazz musicians and did the Duchess Club. Mm. So it provides opportunities yeah. for those ideas to be re- to be realised, which yeah. is a huge, a huge thing, actually, yeah, living yeah. in such a small place. Yeah. To be able to pluck from wherever. Yeah. So you're going to... So you're going to... Not record an album as such, but you're gonna maybe record some live stuff and do a two week tour of the country. Those, yes. This is the t- yes, to do list. Yes, I'd love to do that. Yeah. What I need is a, a personal assistant that can organise a organise <laughs> a, a, a tour. Yeah. Organise a tour. Perhaps a patron. Yes. Yeah. We're all <laughs> we're all looking for those. Yeah. Um, that's the yeah. only problem. We're all you know that that mm. that unfortunately you know for all, for all of my spiel about Hawke's Bay having money and providing mm. some opportunities for the artists, unfortunately we're all out there now looking for yeah. the patron to back and the project and, and that's the genre. What, yeah. A patron for my genre. Yeah. <laughs> that's a rarity <laughs> indeed. <laughs> <laughs> I did some opera on the side. Well, we've had a nice chat. Is there anything else you want to? Uh, sound off about? No, I think that's... We'll leave it there. Yeah. yeah, that was cool. You and the night and the music Filled me with flaming desire Setting my being completely on fire You and the night and the music Thrill me what will we be one After the night and the music are done Until the pale light of dawning and daylight Robbing the stars Morning we come without warning And take away the stars If we must live for the moment Love till the moment is through After the night and the music dies Will I have you?